Hallelujah. We're going to continue our theme, Overcomer. And just continue to stay in the presence of the Lord as, as we get into this message. And just, you know, church, we want to continue to increase our worship. Not decrease our worship as we go into this year. Let's overcome that urge uh, to silent our voices. I think our voices need to be heard not only in this church, but also around our country and our community. Yes. So we're going to continue our theme, Overcomer, today. We're to be overcomers in Christ Jesus, more than conquerors through him who loved us. But we don't always feel like overcomers, do we? Right? In fact, people face trials and struggles and some kind, sometimes giants in uh, situations that need to be overcome in life, but often it overcomes them. Um, they cow down to it, they shy down to it uh, or away from it and hope it's just gonna go away on its own, but so often it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It just doesn't like disappear on its own. You have to be proactive. Other times people are just zealous uh, and, and they confront, but actually, uh, they have no backing, they have no support, they have no understanding of what they're confronting, and they often go through these things alone by themselves. And this can be a very dangerous place that you find yourself in today, just alone by yourself. Even in a crowd, you can be alone by yourself uh, and, and just don't know really where to turn, or you choose not to turn because you got it. And then at other times, we, uh, while the threat might be real, it might be a real threat, but it's bigger in your heart, and in your mind than in reality because God is with you and God is for you and God is going to see you through these trials and these struggles right and get you to the other side and that's what we're going to continue to uh, look at and focus uh, today I've entitled this message confronting your Anakites mm -hmm. confronting your Anakites and we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9 and you can start uh, turning to that chapter now in your Bible Deuteronomy chapter 9 we'll look at the first six verses of that book and as we go through this message keep in mind that uh, that Jesus is with us God is with us and he wants to empower us we need to trust and obey his words and ways hallelujah praise the name of the Lord hallelujah in John chapter 16 verse 33 he says I told you these things uh, so that in me you may have peace not in the world but in me in him in Christ Jesus you might have peace. And then he goes on to tell you that you will have trouble and struggles and, and trials. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Praise the name of the Lord. That should, should excite you this morning. And when our problems get so big, right, in our mind and we have no control over it and we start to be overwhelmed, remember that our God is bigger. Yes. Our God is greater. Our God can deal with any giant or any situation that you find yourself in, right? Because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's mightier, he is God, right? And no demon, no stronghold should keep you down. We can be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Lord loves you more than you even know, the more you can even dream or imagine or fully understand. And he will help us confront our Anakites. So let's begin our reading in chapter 9, uh, beginning at... Verse 1. Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go into the, the poses of nations greater and stronger than you, with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them and you have heard about them. Who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one yes. who goes across ahead of you. 
like a devouring fire, he will destroy them. Oh, you can underline those words if you, if you have a Bible or highlight them. He will devour them. He will subdue them before you and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised you. And after the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possessions of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's on the account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to take possession of this land, but on the account of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Understand then that that's not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. I'm like, what? Wow, stiff-necked people. God is calling his people stiff-necked, and we're going to take a closer look at this portion of scripture as well. But let's just pray and get deeper into this word. Father God, help us to overcome our Anakites, our giants and trials and struggles that we find in our life, oh God. Lord, be with us, mighty God, and help us through any storm that we face tomorrow or the next day or throughout the year, whatever it might be, oh God. Help us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bless the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We're going to get into this chapter 9 and we're going to learn that God is telling the Israelites to cross over. We'll cross over to the Jordan and, and this land that he has promised their forefathers and really themselves. But the people refuse to go. You see, they're scared and they're frightened. But of what? Well, for starters, the Lord said that they will have to depose these these nations and they were greater and they were stronger and, and there were large cities here and high walls here and the people were giants, strong and, and tall and, and they were believed to be called the Anakites. And you see there's rumors and there's stories here and maybe even history lessons that the people heard. Who can stand against the Anakites? And probably the answer at that time was nobody can. You see, they're giants, they're strong, and, and they're tall, right? And I think this is often how we face adversity in our lives, the, the giant trials and struggles of our life. Who can stand against this trial? Who can overcome, right? How can we overcome what we're facing? We're too weak, we're too small, we're too, we're too frail, we're limited in, in understanding, right? We're insecure of our identity in Christ Jesus, and the list goes on and on, but we are to confront our giants and our trials and struggles in life. And from the onset of this message, right, I want us to ask that same question to you. Who can stand against the Anakites? Who can stand against them? And we'll see later that many, many people believe it's impossible. But I want to tell you from the onset of this message, with man, this may be impossible, but not with God. With God, we know that all things are possible. We hold on to that, 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 that word of God, and this should encourage us today. And it should bring you smiles and peace and, and happiness and joy. We're going to go through trials, right? But know that God is with us and helping us as we confront our giants in our life. Now, who are the Anakites, and, and what do they represent, and what's all this hype all about? Well, we know and believe that they were called giants, strong and tall, right? Uh, they were long-necked, in a sense, uh, uh, long-necked people, and they also represented hindrances to the promises of God and the promises of God's people. 
They were wicked, unrighteous, and, and they had an undefeated reputation. And you were not able to overcome them. They were too strong of a people. And this created fear in the hearts and minds of, of the Israelites. And therefore, they didn't want to cross over to the promised land and face these Anakites, these, these giants. I think this is what happens often in our life as well. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you, right? God wants to do something new in your life, right? But often we just, we, we just don't want to go forward. We don't want to take the steps of faith in the process. We don't want to fully trust him and trust his words, which means there are times that he's going to ask us to do something. And we're going to have to get up and do something in the process, even if it makes us uncomfortable. But what happens is fear takes over. Fear takes over stubbornness and doubt. And then we turn our back on God in disobedience. We, we make excuses and we give all the reasons why we can't do something. All the, all the doubts flood our hearts and, and the fears flood our hearts. And in many ways, it, we turn these, these difficult situations into rebellion against the Holy God. And often in life, we repeat this process over and over and over again. So the first thing I want to speak about today is identifying, identifying your Anakites. Identify your Anakites. We need to know who the enemy is. So, so let's take a closer look at who the Anakites really were. And if you're taking notes today, you might want to write down some of these passages. It might be too much to turn to. But Deuteronomy 2 verses 10 and 21 refers to the, the tall people. And Numbers chapter 13 verse 33 says the people of Anak the, are descendants of Nephilim. And now I want to come back to this portion of Scripture in Numbers 13. But let's take a closer look at who the Nephilim were. And for that, you have to jump to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6, verse 4, the Nephilims were on the earth in those days and also after. And when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and children and, and, and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great and Man's wickedness on earth has become, and the, the very inclination, it says, of thoughts of his heart were only evil at this time. Verse 6, then the Lord was grieved that he made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind, wow, whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and, and creatures that moved along the ground, the birds of the air. For I am grieved that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of speculation here as we read this about the, the Nephilims um, and why, why everything needed to be destroyed in the, in the process. And honestly, I don't think there's uh, enough information, in, in my opinion, to fully know for sure who the Nephilim actually were. But, but we know something throughout Scripture that sin and unrighteousness needs to be purged. Sin needs to be purged, right? And sin left alone causes death and destruction. We know that. And we see here that evil is throughout the land. Evil is throughout the earth. And God is going to destroy it with a worldwide flood. Now, many scholars refer to Nephilim as fallen ones or, or, or giants, offsprings of the sons of God and, and daughters of men. And so that brings us to, like, who are the sons of God? And and who are the daughters of men? And, and you see this ends up going into a deeper, deeper uh, study and dive. But, but you can miss the main point of, of the message as we, as we go down this, right? Um, the message of confronting your Anakites, your giants, and, and the situations that are greater than your own ability. And we need to overcome and be people who are overcomers. 
But it's also important to have some idea of what's happening in these, in these, in, for the subject matter in the scriptures. So let me quickly give just a simple few views here uh, that require much deeper study. And feel free to, to dive deeper in this on your own time. And, and we can chat more about it another day or something like that or, or not. It's fine with me. Genesis chapter 6, right? It's just a, a, a... Anyway, some scholars think that the sons of God were from the line of Seth. And they believed the line represented the godly line, the righteous line. They considered it the righteous ones. And they started to intermarry with daughters of men, which came from the line of Cain and represented the ungodly and unrighteous ones. Some believed they were kings and, and princes and the uh, aristocrat, people of power and influence. Others think they were demon-possessed men. And, and we see this type of, of behavior happening in the occult. And, and these were... These acts are evil and these acts are, are wicked. And other scholars believe that they were actually spiritual beings or fallen angels, which, uh, which we call demons, who were unrighteous, who had unrighteous relationships with humans and offsprings that had uh, super strong humans or giants called Nephilims, heroes of old, men of renown. And for me, and especially for this message for today, I don't really care what view you take. It's not that important for, for, this, for this message. And even after a, a deeper dive study, for me, the decision's still not so like crystal clear. I, I have a slant somewhat. Um, and there's other scriptures in the Bible. You can go to Jude 6 and 2 Peter 2. Uh, but anyway, for example, if you hold on to this idea of Seth, it's about Seth and Cain. Or, or about people of influence. Or even about a demon-possessed humans. How does that turn into great, great giants from that? It doesn't seem to align with how the sons of God are used elsewhere throughout Scripture. Sons of God seem to be dealing with spiritual beings. And, and, as, and we get more information from that from the book of Enoch, which we don't believe is the inspired words of God. But we know there is some historic merit there. But again, all it does is brings us to... Uh, more questions, right? What is the truth? What is the myth? And, and you seem to like have like more questions or more confusion. Uh, if we say it was spiritual beings with, with mating with humans, that's just weird. I, I just think that's kind of weird, right? It, 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 it makes many of us just cringe and, 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 and are so uncomfortable with, with some kind of spiritual being mating with humans. It's weird. That doesn't mean that it's not true or not possible. And in fact, the early traditional view of the early church seems to suggest that the sons of God were spiritual beings or fallen angels which took on humans' wives. Strange. But that's what it seems to suggest. But scripturally, it seems to make the most sense. But again, that jury is still out for me and it's problematic. There's so many problems with all of this. But what's important is that we need to remember that Satan is a liar. Satan is a thief. Satan is a destroyer who wants... To be like God. So if it is possible um, that he might be trying to create a, a, a new race of, of, of humans, a new race of people through corrupting the genetic, the genetic code by mixing these demonic beings with mankind. In a sense, placing a genetic virus within our system and corrupting God's uh, image and creation which he placed on earth. Just a few more questions. Did the Nephilims exist before some kind of this wicked um, union happened that produced the heroes of old and men of renown. Were there still Nephilim uh, on earth afterwards? Uh, were the Nephilim only an offspring of that union? 
And traditionally, it seems like the offspring only. But again, that wording for me is personally confusing. Finally, there was a great flood that covered the entire earth and everyone died except Noah or Noah's Ark. At least that's what we teach in this church, right? And so this opens up these views, these questions and these thoughts. If they all died, how is it possible that the Nephilims are back and returned? Or was this just another myth that was happening? Now, when Genesis 6 says Nephilims are on earth and also afterwards, what does that mean? Before the flood only? After the flood only? Before or after? But I do if they all died during the flood. Or maybe spiritual beings cannot be killed. Maybe they could be destroyed in a sense, but not, not killed. And maybe they repeated some kind of heinous uh, sinful act or crimes afterwards. You see, what this does, it causes a lot of questions and speculation and, and a lot of confusion. So why go through all this in, in the first place? Because Satan is still trying to corrupt us. Because people are still believing many of his lies. Remember, Satan uses fear and manipulation to make people miss out on the blessings from God. That's so important to get church. We see this over and over again throughout uh, scriptures. People believing Satan and his lies. And you see, people were still fearing these giants after the flood. Regardless if it's real or not, regardless if it's a myth or not, their mindset was, who can stand against the Anakites, the descendants of the Nephilim? And the history always seems to be repeating itself, right? People are often following certain patterns and rhythms in their life. And we see that, and I won't go into that today, but if you look at people and their patterns and their rhythms, you'll see a lot of people start repeating the same thing over and over again. They're, they have a certain rhythm and, and, and pattern. And, and we know the belief was that the people of Anna came from uh, Nephilim. And the Nephilim seems to be giant and mighty warriors, renowned and powerful people. But after this message, I hope that there's no fear, right? Trust God and, and trust his words and have peace and know that he has overcome Satan and he has overcome the world. And that is what we need to hold on to. Trust God's word and do not fear the enemy of God. But place your faith and, and trust and reliance fully in God. Thank you. Now let's just jump back to Numbers chapter 13 for a moment. And, we'll, and we learned that the Israelites didn't make it into the promised land the first time. And we know that there were 12 spies commissioned by God and, and Moses to, to go into the land, but only Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. And here's what the other 10 reported, beginning at verse 31. But the men, but the men who had gone up with him said, who can attack those people? They are stronger than we are. And, the, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report, circle that, about the land that they have explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there were great in size, all the people, right? We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anna came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. See, this report was a bad report. It was a bad report. In, in a way, many of it, some of it was made up. And they seemed to be grasshoppers in, in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Really? Did you ask them? You're spying. And did you ask them how they felt about it? Did, they, did you ask them how, how you looked to them? No, of course not. You see, these spies were, were fearful of what God wanted them to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take effort 
to conquer uh, this land and go over and get into this land. And so they were scared and they start using fear tactics to put forth their own agenda. Hey, we, have we ever seen that being done? Fear tactics to put forth your own agenda. And they lied and they gave a bad report. They gave a wrong report and they did not want to enter into the land, right? They didn't want to obey God's words. They saw themselves as small and little and incapable and they rejected God's words and, and, and this is sin. And this is rebellion against God, right? And when you hear God's word and when you hear the message go out, you just reject it. You don't, you don't like it. You don't want to embrace it. Sin and depravity skews one's thinking. And fear does this too. It makes the situation look worse than it really is. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit longer here. The Israelites who left Egypt resisted God's word and allowed fear to rule them. And they were punished for it. We know that, right? We know that they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, many scholars believe that this was only an 11-day journey. That blows my mind. An 11-day journey took, took 40 years. 11 days from Egypt to the Promised Land. Why did it take 40 years? Because of sin. And they wandered around. And sin will cause you to wander, to be confused. It will stop you from getting traction in your life. It, it will affect the way you think and, and what you believe and, and what you see and, and, and your, your thought process and who you're going to, to trust. We see the problem, but we don't see the problem solver. We see our bad situation, but, but God is, can overcome that situation. And we see that with drug abuse and alcoholism and fear and other types of addictions. It messes with your mind. It takes you off mission. It takes you off track. It takes you away from your calling in life. And then often you lose your blessing and you lose your provisions that, from God in the process. Every one of these spies, right, and all of those, all of those that escaped Egypt died in the wilderness except two. Why? Because sin kills and destroys one's future. Now Joshua and Caleb were the only two who made it out of Egypt crossed the Red Sea, and makes it into the Promised Land. Moses himself, because of sin and disobedience, did not make it into the Promised Land in the flesh. And so now their children, all born in the wilderness, those all under age 20, were allowed to enter into the Promised Land. But now we see that fear overtakes them. You see, they, they only heard of the hardships of Egypt. They, 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 they only heard of the hard times there. They, they never truly experienced those hardships. And I will say this, that so many of us have not truly experienced Pentecost. And we haven't truly ex experienced um, the things of God. But they never saw uh, all the things that took place in Egypt. They never saw all the plagues. They never saw all the miracles. And while many miracles were done during that, that wilderness journey, the children and young adults were fearful. Fear took over. Fear messed with their mind. Now remember, these are not military people. You have to understand that. They're under 20 years old. They're not trained for a great battle. They're wanderers. And, and they're, they, they, were, they were all under military age. And God's asking them to stand up and fight the giants. They're asking them to stand up and fight, the, and in a sense, the Anakites, and, 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 and fight and take over the land. Now, once we identify who the Anakites are in our life, with God's help and prayerfully, we need to stand up to it and go forward in faith. 
So standing up to your Anakites. Standing up to your Anakites. But now they're making the same mistakes that their forefathers made. They're now saying, we cannot enter this land. These people are too strong. They're giants. So let's just jump back to the text scripture verse in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross over into the Jordan to go in and depose these, these nations greater and stronger than you. With large cities and huge walls up to the sky. These people are strong and tall and Anakites, Anakites. You know about them and you heard about them. Who can stand up against the Anakites? And again, the thought process was nobody. We can't do it. Nobody can. They're too strong. But the truth is, God is telling you to do something. God is saying, stand up and go forward against these people. Go up against Anakites of your life. God was promising them success. And they need to trust God. But instead, they trusted themselves. They trusted their own heart and their own mind instead of trusting God. And this is where I think the people of God fall short. We, not, we cannot fight the giants of our life alone. We need help. And we need empowerment from the Holy Spirit. We need God's help uh, and provisions. And we need community also. God got our back. But we need to come together in, in praise and, and preaching and proclamation and, and purpose in what we're doing. And he says to them, be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. And that should build up confidence. He will subdue them before you and will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised. You see, God was giving them the land, but they still had work that they had to do. And again, I think that's a problem with Christianity today. They expect God to do all the work. They claim the promises of God, but they don't want to go and do the works of God. And God wants us to take action. And faith is an action word. Faith is an action word. Word. Now, we don't work for salvation. We know that. It's by grace through faith that we are saved. But that's only the beginning of your faith walk with God. Once saved, we are to trust him, obey him, follow him, seek after him, love him, serve him, work for him. But remember, he has asked us to do certain things that are going to make us uncomfortable. You have to understand that, church. He will ask you to do things that will make you uncomfortable, like trust him. Right? Like evangelism, which is telling other people about the gospel message of, of Jesus Christ. He wants to see people set free and saved and set free from the sting of death and sin. I hope you want that too. He wants us to be uh, disciples of Christ, which means uh, uh, learning and to live and love like he did. We want to model Christ in our life. It also means making disciples, which is about training and sending people out throughout the world. There are many things that we ought to be doing as believers and disciples of Christ. We are to follow the Lord's will and his ways. We are to listen to his voice and trust and obey what he tells us. If he says, go, we go. If he says, stop, stop, slow down, slow down. Listen to that, to that voice. He's trying to lead us and talk to us daily. And so when we hear his voice and, and, and we are to read his word and hear his voice, rest and reflect in his presence, right? Pray, praise and press in for a deeper relationship with God. Trust and obey. And when you do that, you, you will be blessed in so many ways. And I recently said during our week of prayer, is salvation enough? 
Is salvation enough? Meaning if God never does anything good for you again except save your soul, will you still follow him? Will you still serve him? Will you still love him? Will you still proclaim his goodness? Is, is forever with him enough? And my answer is, yes, it is. But know this, that after salvation, after receiving Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, this is not the end of your journey. This is the beginning of greater things to come. But you must choose to obey him this day. You must invite him into your life and seek after him and make him Lord and Savior of your life. This is not a theory. This is truth. You need to do something after salvation. Obedience and holiness must follow. And so many Christians are just saved and they're just basically making it. Why is that? Because they made many of the Anakites to rule the day. They have allowed other voices besides God to rule their heart and mind and their life, such as the media and politics and family and friends and the voices that, that contradict the Holy Scriptures. Like, you don't have to wait for, for marriage before having relationships. You do you, boo, even if it doesn't make any scriptural sense. And we can list so many things that, that people are doing, they're rebelling against God's words. And so many people teach that holiness and, and right living is not important. They say, say things like, well, don't judge what I'm doing. Don't judge me. Look at yourself or, 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 or just live however you feel like living or, or just, just, live your, just live your truth. Not what the word of God says, just, just live your truth. And we can list so many of these things that take, take us off track and mission, but God says, be holy. For I am holy. Follow me, not the world. And you might be thinking, I, I can't change. This is, this is way too hard. I, I'm too sinful. I don't really understand what's happening. I've done so many bad things that I'm just not proud of it. If you knew what I've done, you know that God cannot save me. You just don't understand, Pastor Anthony. You just don't understand how wicked I am. And I would say to you, trust and obey God's words, plans, and provisions for your life. He has so many promises in this Holy Scripture. We, must, we need to follow them. Ask Him to forgive you. Repent for your sins. Seek Him with all your heart and he will, he, will, he will transform your life. But He will also ask you to do something. He will ask you to do something. He will ask you to submit to His will and ways and trust His methods. And this is way easier said than done. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, we read about the rich young ruler who asked Jesus what, what he must do to inherit eternal life. And in Mark 10, Jesus basically told him to keep God's commandments and follow him. But again, this, this ruler was very rich, this young ruler, and he started to depend on his money instead of depending on God. And very quickly, Jesus reveals th this heart issue, right? Uh, and that he still lacks some, some things. And Jesus told him, sell everything and give it away. And then follow me, because he knew that the money and the wealth was a hindrance into the kingdom of God for this young ruler. Now we know that having wealth is not the problem. I, I, I wish that all of you were multimillionaires. That's fine, right? That would be great. Make sure you tithe and give your offerings. But, but here's the thing. It, wealth is not the problem, right? Wealth is not, having, is not the problem. Having wealth is not the problem. But anything that you place above God, any, anything that you place above God becomes your idol and becomes the problem. 
In fact, our fears often rule us and govern us and govern our life. Our fears often take us off mission and calling in our lives. Our troubled mind and troubled thinking takes us off mission. We stop doing what God has called us to do. Serving God is not a cakewalk. It will cost you something. It will be hard. And Jesus tells his disciples how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier, verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked straight at them and said, with man this is impossible. With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Hallelujah. Praise his name. And so we are to face our giants, our Anakites, our our fears and trials, but don't do it alone. You turn to God, you trust God, you obey God, you believe his words, and then actively put forth his will and his ways on purpose and with purpose. And then you'll be able to stand up after salvation, then stand up and confront your Anakites and your giants with more boldness and confidence, knowing that God is with you and that God is for you. The Lord says, I will drive them out but we have a part in the process as well. Deuteronomy 9 verse 4. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you. Meaning, your presence is required. You see, I'm going to drive them out before you. And you will see this happen. But you will need to show up and see it and work for it as well. He also goes on to say, Do not say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to take possessions of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's not on account of... It is on the account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. When I think about confronting our Anakites, our giants, or, or trials and struggles in life, let me first say this. Your presence is required. Your presence is required. And that means two things for me. We want to hear God's voice and we need to enter his presence. We need to show up. Show up to work, spend time in his presence, every day in his presence, doing your part faithfully. Who can stand up against the Anakites? Well, this makes me think, what giants are we facing that are stopping us from receiving our victory today? What is hindering or blocking you from hearing what God is telling you to do? Maybe your giants today is depression or anxiety or some kind of addiction. Maybe it's a family member or a friend who stands in the way from you fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill, to do. Uh, maybe you are your own worst enemy, letting your heart and, and your emotions take over and go in control. And maybe you're feeding your mind with things that are just not true. I can't do it. I am not big enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I don't have enough money or means. I think so many people don't feel they can stand up against their Anakites. My prayer is, Lord, allow us to hear your words. Allow us to pray and put our trust in you and guide us and lead us in the ways you want us to go. When he says, go, go. When he says, stop, stop. And when he says, rest and pray and wait on me, do that as well. Yes. When things get tough and become fearful, will you trust and obey God's words? Will you fully trust and obey God's words? When sickness and health issues arise and things are out of control, will you trust him? And when God sees you through, when God sees you through the storm, when God sees you through to the, through the other side, 
or help you overcome your giants and praise his name and, and give him all the glory and take no credit for yourself. Oh, how great I am. No, how great you are, right? You, you are the one that did this. I didn't do this. You allowed me to do this. Every breath that I breathe is because you are the one who allowed me to do this. Verse 5, it's not because of your righteousness. It's not because of your integrity that you are doing, doing this or taking the possession of this land. But it's on the account of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord, the Lord will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then, that is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess. For you are stiff-necked people. Wow. Now, we, we learn why God is helping the Israelites here. And this, I think there's two main reasons found here. He said that it was because of the wickedness of the nations, right? The nations will be, were going to be destroyed. It was also to accomplish what he swore to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, he's going to give these, these, this new generation the promised land. But notice he called them stiff-necked people. Why? Because they're allowing their fear to take over and rule the day, just like their parents did. Church, there are giants out there, great obstacles, great trials that need to be overcome. There's evil lurking all around the world, people that want to hurt you, people that want to harm you. But God is bigger and stronger than any of our problems. Amen? Amen? Amen. Any of these problems, any of the people that we face, trust him and take a stand for righteousness. We need to take a stand for righteousness. The Nephilim and Anakites of life, they represent evil and giant problems that are stopping, blocking, hindering, getting in our way, excuses, stuff, love, whatever you want to, however you need to call it in your mind. They're getting in the way from our doing our walk with God. But we are to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. I believe, that, I believe those words. I hope you do too. We see history repeating itself, church. If you don't get this, you will repeat some of these things. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt, they allowed fear and small thinking to stop them from confronting their giants and situation. Now their children are making the same mistakes. Be careful of passing on your fears and troubles to your children. The Lord is calling them stiff-necked people. And that phrase jumped out at me. And I wonder where else we see that term, and I, and I want to just spend the next few minutes there. It brought us to Acts chapter 7. Right before Stephen was stoned to death, verse 51, I want to just jump there quickly. Verse, Acts 7, verse 51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised heart and ears, you're just like your fathers, you, you resist the Holy Spirit. How many people are resisting the Holy Spirit? Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They killed even those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Obviously speaking about Jesus Christ, right? And, and murdered him and placed him on a cross. Verse 53. You have received the law that was put in effect through the angels, but not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing right there, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, who is Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. And at this they covered their ears, blah, 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 right? They covered their ears and they're yelling at the top of their, of their voices. And, and they all rushed him and dragged him out of the city and they start stoning him. 
Notice they covered their ears, right? They didn't want to hear what God was saying through Stephen. They covered their ears and they started yelling to drown out those words, to drown out those sounds. How many people today here or listening afar have, have put other things on your head so you cannot hear this word? Maybe music. Maybe just load that, lowered the volume here and made the volume louder somewhere else. Maybe your mind is just stuck somewhere. When we don't listen to the preaching or the prophetic word, we're often drowning out God's voice and words. When we don't read God's words and, and yield to his voice, we're sinning. It's interesting how history repeats itself. Be careful it doesn't repeat itself. And once the people were called, again, they were called stiff-necked people. And this means they didn't want to be moved by God. They don't want to listen. They were resisting the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that we take a stand for righteousness. We take a stand for godliness. We take a stand for God. And we obey Him and not allow the giants in our life to stop us. And that we are being moved and motivated, not by our own flesh and our own hearts, but moved and motivated by the Holy Spirit, right? Instead of being defeated and complacent. And how sad is it that God's chosen people were called stiff-necked people? How sad is that? In a sense, they, stay, they stayed seated instead of standing up and moving forward and going forward by faith. And we see this all through the, we see this in the book of Acts that these were the religious people being called stiff-necked people. And I wonder how many of, of, of God's people today who are saved and set free are stiff-necked people. Ouch. Or amen. I don't know. Because they won't stand up for the giants in their life. Because they won't conform to God's plans and God's ways and God's standards. Because they won't listen to his voice and ways. Because many, many have faced obstacles in their life and they, and they allow them to stay there. The fear, the life, the politics, the, the, the government, the viruses, and, and the list goes on and on. Because we have allowed myths and misunderstandings to lead our life and stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And going forward by faith over and over again. Scripture tells us to make disciples, to promote the gospel message, the goodness of God, to teach others and train them about the love of God and to display it in our actions, with words, with deeds. But we see giants. We see obstacles. We see roadblocks. We see can't-do attitudes. We see our lack of ability or strength or things that seem way too hard, right? Uh, we, we make all types of excuses why, why we fail and why we're disobedient. But we all face great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. And I already told you more than once, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise his name. We have to learn to stand up and fight the good fight of faith. To rely on Christ Jesus, to rely on God and, and realize that we can't fight these enemies and demons alone. We need to hear from God, trust and obey. And regardless if Anakites are descendants of Nephilim or not, or this was just fear speaking through these people because they didn't want to put forth God's will, it really doesn't matter. What matters most is if we're going to allow giants, fears, myths, obstacles from stopping us from doing our call. Will it be hard? Will he ask us to do something that's hard? That's going to require faith? Yes, of course. And when you hear from him, do it anyway. Our God is bigger than any of our problems. 
And I'm sure right now you're sitting here or listening from afar and you have your own list of baggage. All the hindrances and obstacles that are blocking you from going forward in your faith and your walk with God, whatever it might be. And it can be so many different, it's, we're not just talking about evangelism, we're talking about life. It could be a problem with your business, a problem at work, a problem at home, a problem with your children or spouse. There's so many issues that are stopping us. And maybe right now it even makes you angry hearing a message like this. I, I don't know. And I'll say, be careful. Be careful. Don't become a stiff-necked person. We're overcomers. When we confront our Anakites, we had to first listen to God's words. Hear what he's saying and trust God. And when we don't, when we don't do this, when we don't understand this, when we don't know this, it becomes a problem. When you can't see him, when you can't hear him, when you can't feel from him or understand what is happening, doubt can take over. Confusion can take over. Loss of traction can happen. And I get that. But when you hear from God and hear his words and they're clear, we trust and obey. And so whatever the circumstances, whatever it looks like, we go to God's words and then we trust and obey. And let me be clear, this journey is not that one that we should take alone. And by the way, this building is not the church. We the people are the church. And we need to come into community and be in unity and in one mind. And we need the Lord. And we need the Holy Spirit guidance. But we also need each other. We need community. We need empowerment. We need encouragement. We need prayer. We need ideas to come up. And we need to hear people's voices. But we need to understand the Lord's covering and authority and protection. When you don't trust his ways, you won't obey his ways. I want you to get that. When you don't trust his ways, you're not going to obey his ways. And over and over again, God wants us to take a stand up for righteousness and holiness and do the works of service. In fact, when Stephen is stoned to death, it's by these zealot religious ones who are pushing their agenda on Stephen. And, and, and the Lord is standing up for him. And I think that is so cool, watching the Lord stand up for him. God is standing up for Stephen in verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And I believe that as we take a stand for righteousness, the Lord will take a stand for us as well. Every one of his promises are true. Yea and amen. We must believe them. And we must do our part. And can you imagine that Stephen gave up his life awaiting on tables? Can you imagine that? You're simply hanging out in a restaurant and, and you're serving and you, you start debating people about the things of God and then those people want to kill you. Um, but he would not be moved from his position, from his calling. Stephen was a servant of God. And he brought the word of God fearlessly, powerfully. And the enemies of God took a stand against him. And Stephen gave his life for the causes of Christ. And it all started, why? Because some Christian woman or people, Christian women in the church, I should say, seemed to be mistreated by other people inside the church. And in many ways, we still see that happening today in our churches. History repeats itself. Often, our bigger challenges in life, where do they come from? They come from our ranks and files. They come from our, our church. They come from our, our families. And you know, over the last two years, we have seen many issues between masks and unmasks, between the vax and unvax Christians, right? And instead of people loving and uniting in their faith walk and faith with God, some have divided and and decided to leave the community of believers and go, go elsewhere. And there's many things that divide a people and a, and a nation and a country, right? 
We see this happening still today in this country and around the world. And all I can say right now is we, we all have giants and struggles and trials that we all face in various ways, but have faith in God and trust his words. He has overcome the world. But how we deal with people is important. And they're watching us and the world is watching us. So make sure that you're obeying God, not man, not media, not politics. And prayerfully consider what you ought to do next during these very difficult times that we all face. Now some would say that Stephen was stupid. He should have kept his mouth quiet and lived. But I say this, what's most important is to be obedient to God. Regardless if you live or die. And this story of Acts is so amazing if you haven't read it in a while. I think it's five through seven. Just read it again. It's amazing. Stephen humbled himself. He waited on tables and he was taking care of the Christian widows, the widows of the church. And as the church grew in numbers and size, they, they faced uh, administration issues and problems. And Stephen, a man full of the spirit, was willing to jump in and help the local leadership and, and the local church family. And like any church uh, setting, you need people who are willing to help, to give, to usher to serve, to go, right? To help support ministries within the church. And Stephen is a great example of serving the, the Christians within the local assembly. And these chapters of, of, of Acts need, need a deeper study, but what's important for this message today in these next few minutes is that he lost his life, but it was a catalyst for greater things to come. He suffered for greater things to come. The church was scattered and the message of Christ went out with power and authority. Confronting our giants or our Anakites is not always going to be easy to do. Things will not always go our way, church. They're not always going to go your way. They're not always going to be what you expect. But stay, stay faithful to God anyway. He has greater things that are coming your way, our way, his people's way. And that is why we prayerfully and carefully go forward by faith we make sure we hear from God and, and, and follow his processes. And, and when we do that, and when we obey God's word, hold on to his promises. Remember, it's he who took a stand. It's he who goes before us. It's he who, who stands for us. He will make a way. But remember, be in his presence and be present. Be in his presence and be present. We must show up every day and do our part. When we hear from him, understand your part. Do it, obedient, do it obediently and cheerfully. And I close with this last scripture. Isaiah 41, verses 10 and 11 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand, my righteous hand. And all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish hold on to the promises of God when you're confronting your giants when you're confronting your Anakites be brave and go forth powerfully in Christ Jesus amen would you stand with me let's give God the glory as we ask him to overcome and confront our giants as we sing you will make me brave
us brave. And may you go out in faith, empowerment, and the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you in all truth. Father God, we just thank you for this word that went out, Lord God. We thank you for all that you're doing here, oh God. God, unify us, unite us, oh God, and help us, Lord, to encourage one another daily, oh God, and help us to go out in the highways and byways, doing what you've called us to do, Lord, whether it's at work or at play or in school or at home or at church. You commissioned us to go out and face our Anakites, our giants, our trials and struggles. Help us to do it righteously and rightly and walk in your authority and power. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great day, church. Blessings.